thought a couple of months ago, I told Thomas, I said, hey, there's something I want to say to the church. And uh, he said, well, how about uh, August 28th? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And what that was, I have no idea. I forgot all about it. So, it, you know, most of the time you, they say you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. And I told him what I had planned, and he changed it all. So uh, this morning, I just, it, it kind of, this is kind of like a large life group to me. So I just want to kind of tell my story a little bit along with, um, you know, God's word included in it um, so you can get to know me. If you're not in my life group, you don't, you won't know me. And if, if not in yours, I may not know you. So this is an opportunity just for me to share my story that I uh, hope you can relate to. Um, Thomas says every morning that he's the lead pastor, and I was thinking about this, I'm the lead sinner. So, um, you know, we can all relate to that. Um, we have this, uh, this sin in our life, this, this part of us that, um, as Paul says, you know, I, I do things I don't want to do, and I don't do things that I should do, and, and we, we wonder why. You know, why is that part of our life? And, and that's, that's happened from the beginning of, of, of creation. Um, you know, God told Adam and Eve, you know, eat of all things except for the forbidden fruit. Don't touch it, don't eat it. And, and yet they were deceived into believing that there was something greater. And if you spell out sin, S-I-N, the center of sin is I. Most of the time when you found yourself in some type of sin, you are the center of it. You are the reason behind it because of something that you desire, something you want, something you've been deceived into believing to be true. And I have, like the rest of us, I have dealt with this, you know, all my life, and I still deal with it today. Um, part of my story, growing up, I grew up in a little town called Beargrass. I'm not the road here. Most of you probably know what that is. So, um, I have a little sister who was born when I was, I think, three and a half, four years old. Uh, she is, uh, she's paralyzed. She was born with spinal bifida. So up to that point, I was the only child, and then she comes in, and, you know, uh, I love her to death. Uh, I do anything in the world for her. But you know how children are uh, when you're the only child, and another one comes in, especially one with special needs. It takes away from that first child. And uh, I felt neglected, you know, it, I don't remember a lot of when I was a child when that aspect, but I do know that, you know, that was part of it. There were people who knew her, asked about her, we were out in public, but, you know, I was ignored. And um, that selfishness started at an early age. Um, my dad uh, became an alcoholic, and I don't know if it was because of my sister's issues, but a lot of times it happens in, in families who have children with special needs that the parents end up divorcing, and that happened when I was eight years old. So I took over the, the manly responsibilities of the house, you know, to, to, to try to be the, the guardian of the home. I uh, started catheterizing my sister at eight years old, helping out my mom because she couldn't do it all on her own. She was working, you know, started working three jobs to help make ends meet. And um, that, that sin, you know, still creeping in. And it's like, what about you? You know, you know what, what about what you want to do? The other kids were out in the neighborhood playing football and doing things, and I was, you know, I was home with my sister, taking care of her. Uh, my mom was, my mom was working. You know, I'd get her up in the mornings at times, help get her dressed, get her something to eat while mom's getting ready, and we'd get on the school bus. And my mom would drive the school bus, you know, 5 a.m. And I just, uh, it just didn't feel, you know, at that age, it was fair. Life wasn't fair. When I go to my father's with my sister, you know, he would um, he would be over with his friends, enjoying um, 
that time, you know, uh, indulging, you know, himself in alcohol and that kind of thing. He come home drunk, but while he was gone, I'm taking care of my sister, and then my grandmother as well. She didn't have a driver's license, and so I would take care of her as well. That was his mom he lived with. My mother, her mom, uh, she ended up going. Uh, she had glaucoma, ended up going blind, diabetes, and all. So I would ride over to her house on the four wheeler, and uh, I'd help get her insulin together in the mornings. And afternoons, whenever it was, I get her. There's two bags, one for the morning, one for the evening, and I get them ready for her. And I'd label them because she couldn't see. She would feel one dot for the morning and two dots, you know, for the evenings. And, and I, I, I did it out of love, but the steel is such a such a pain um, for a child to grow up so fast. And uh, I, I didn't. I wasn't an athletic kid. Uh, not until later, you know, in high school years, but I. I indulged myself when I couldn't do what I wanted to do. I'd eat what I wanted to eat, right? So I would, you know, anything chocolate, anything sweet, man, I would just indulge. I would go to the, I remember the Swans man would come to the house, and we would get those um, uh, those frozen cookies, cookie dough, you know, and I would go in and sneak in there when I was feeling down, and I would just make myself sick eating those things. Uh, my grandmother, you know, in my dad's house, and she would have sweets just you know, she would cook good meals, but man, I would indulge myself in those Reese cups and those other things. You know, and I was I was a chubby kid. I was you know I was a fat kid, and I got picked on, and I got picked on a lot, and uh, and that hurt too. So at 14, 15 years of age, man, I I've got the whole world on my shoulders, and I'm sitting outside, and I hear, you know, this one part of me, which I I still call it the fat man inside of me, saying, uh, you know. What, do you, what good are you? You know, what What are you? I mean, the world would be better off without you. And I was contemplating suicide because I said, I'm, I've had enough, you know. And then, you know, I'm sitting, in, I'm sitting in silence. You know, I'm outside. I'm sitting outside, and I hear another voice. But this one is more distinct. And this one says, you know, give me your burdens. It's not your job to carry all this. And uh, I knew that was of God, but I didn't. I didn't know the Bible. I mean, I had been to to Sunday school and that kind of thing. But these things I didn't know. So I, I called my youth pastor and told him, you know, how I was feeling and what I'd heard. So he brought me in and he kind of explained the gospel to me. And he he went to to Matthew. And um, in Matthew twelve, Matthew eleven. I'm sorry, this is not a part of the scriptures I gave Thomas, but. In Matthew 11, the last, uh, at the very end there, in, la- in chapter 28, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. And that was the first time that I had really I'd heard from the Holy Spirit, and I gave my life to Christ. I was baptized soon after, and um, I just, that burden was lifted. It, 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 it still, it's still there, but only when I, when I carried the load myself. But God was there and, and spoke to me and, and took that load uh, off my shoulders and gave me some freedom um, and helped me to, to start reading the Bible and to realize that 
it's not about me. Uh, Rick Warren has a famous book out called The Purpose Driven Life. And one of my favorite books, secondary to the Bible, and it's this first line that it says in that book, it's not about you. And when we change our perspective and we realize that this life isn't about us, we didn't, we didn't create ourselves. Um, God created us. Um, it, it, life is no joy when it's all about you. When, it's, when you indulge in that sinful nature, when you're all about I, um, how many people do you know or have you seen celebrities who are indulging in everything that there is? If they would just read Ecclesiastes, there's there King, King Solomon is one who was the wisest of all men. And uh, he said, I had lived, he, he, if you go to, well, most times they tell you wait till you're about 40 years old to read it, you'll understand it better. But um, he indulged himself in everything. Uh, he built great gardens. He built great buildings. He married, I think he was married to 700 women, and he had 300 concubines. So, I mean, he said, I indulged myself in all areas. But nothing, nothing satisfied him. And the only thing that satisfied him in the end was doing his work having, and being grateful for what he was doing and, and loving God. And so we talk about spiritual warfare, and uh, it's in Ephesians, Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. <clears throat> My glasses back on. So it talks about the armor of God, but it says the final word, a final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. For on all, put on all God's armor, so that you will be able to stand firm and not fight against the fl- not, excuse me, stand firm against all strategies of the devil. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And uh, it wasn't until I, uh, I joined the military that this came to light for me. Um, as an infantryman uh, going overseas, uh, one of the things that we used was night vision goggles. And you go out at nighttime into a, a military zone in the middle of the desert with nothing on, I mean, it's just pitch black. There's nothing unless the moon is out. You can't see anything. And you can't fight an enemy like that. I mean, there's no way. You can't see what's going on. And, uh, but when you put those night vision goggles on and you cut them on, everything is clear. You can see what's going on around you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us when we accept Christ into our life. The Holy Spirit comes in. And it, it turns on a new, uh, a new spirit within us. There's a spiritual realm out there, and we live in this darkness. We're born into it. And until we put the Holy Spirit on, until we get the Holy Spirit inside of us, until we accept Christ, we live in that darkness. When we, when we receive the Holy Spirit, that, it's like those light vision goggles come on, and we have new eyes to see things that we wouldn't see before. And we have new ears to hear things that we didn't hear before. And uh, it helps us in that battle, that spiritual battle that we're fighting. Um, <clears throat> so while I was I joined the army after 
And uh, I signed up because I wanted to be, uh, I wanted to fight. You know, so that's 9-11. I had just graduated college. And I signed up to be an airborne ranger. And uh, I told myself, I said, if I can accomplish this, then I'll be somebody, right? Um, I'll, I'll get rid of these negative thoughts in my mind, you know, and I'll, I'll have a little more pride in myself and that kind of thing. And uh, when, I, uh, when I got there uh, to the Ranger Regiment, it's uh, a training program prior to called Pre-Ranger, and uh, I'm the only bald guy in the whole crowd. And uh, which y'all, you know, as a young man, you already have, I was 24 years old, so I already have a self-image issue because I'm the only bald guy there. And uh, I go to the, uh, I go to leave one weekend, and my insurance had expired on my vehicle. So I go to the first sergeant in charge, and I say, hey, uh, you know, I, I need my keys. And uh, he said, well, you need to get your insurance renewed. And I had the information faxed, and he threw me in my keys, and he said, hey, where, where's your hair? <laughs> and I said, well, hey, good question. Uh, I said, well, I can't control, you know, but regulations state that, you know, you can be bald. So I you know, shaved my head. And uh, he said, well, not in my unit. In my unit, you've got to have a high and tight ranger cut. And that means that you, know, you put your hand up here and everything else is shaved, but everybody has to look dressed right dressed. He said, you stick out, and that's a problem. So, you know, that's, you know that, that, that devastated me. But I took it, and I said, okay, you know, maybe this is, you know, I'm not going to quit. So this was Friday. Monday comes around. He comes to formation looking at me, you know, we're all in formation. He said, ah, there's Harrison. You got any hair yet, son? No, sir. Everybody just starts doing push-ups. And uh, he's, he just uh, wears us out doing push-ups, flutter kicks, all kinds of stuff. He said, we're going to do this every day until Harrison has hair. And uh, I can't grow hair here. You know, I grow everywhere else. I look like a clown. But uh, anyway, so all my friends just, you know, uh, stopped hanging out with me. They, uh, I didn't have many at the time anyway because I was older. I already had a college degree. You know, these guys were 18, 19 years old, so we didn't have much in common. And it broke my spirit. It really did. And uh, the last day of training, um, I was just to the point where I could take any more. And uh, they asked, you know, is your time anybody wanting to leave? And I had just felt that it was where I needed to be, where God had put me, or maybe it was just I was broken and I... I said, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm one of them. I don't want to be here anymore. And uh, so, you know, it's heartbreaking for me to leave, especially to quit. But uh, anyway, I got sent to 82nd Airborne. Won't there, won't there very long, and we got orders to go to Iraq. So I, I didn't know my guys very well, but um, we are there. First week, you know, IED goes off. One guy's... You know, killed instantly. Another guy's leg blown off. Um, my team leader gets hurt. Not in this incident, but he he, you know, he gets a hernia, and I got to take over team leader. Well, he's you know he's 21 years old, but he's already been in Afghanistan, got his Ranger and all that. And I'm just coming into the unit brand new, been there three months. So I get put in charge of these three guys. We've already had two guys. One guy killed, one guy wounded. And uh, man, talking about pressure, pressure. You 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 don't know how. I don't know how, how close you become to God until you're in that situation where your life is, you know, in jeopardy. Any second of every, any time that you're waiting for somebody to shoot you or blow you up, and then you got responsibility of other people. 
And uh, my team leader, after he healed up and came back, you know, I relinquished the reins to him, and uh, and I was thankful for that. But we went on a mission, came back, and <clears throat> I went into the, the the EOC or whatever it's called, the operations center, and wrote an email. They just got computers up. Hey, everybody, I'm good. I'm you know I can't tell you where I'm at, but I mean I'm good. Everything's fine. It's in the desert. You got lights like this. You walk outside. And there's no light, you know, because you don't you can't want everybody to see you, you know. Even the dimmest light, you can see from a distance, you know. You know somewhere is total darkness. So I walk out and I'm trying to get my trying to get my eyesight, you know, to um, regulated. And I walk out and I feel a Humvee. So okay, I walk down a Humvee and I'll try to find a, the the road to get back to to the barracks. And we're on this abandoned uh, uh, former. POW base, whatever, and there's these these whales. I don't know what they were for, cisterns or something other, but it was like 10 foot wide by 10 foot deep by 10 foot, you know, long cinder blocks. And in the bottom of it, it's all bricks and everything, trash people thrown in there. Well, they didn't secure it very well. They had engineer tape about knee high. And I went walking and slipped and went head first into this hole and landed right on my head and knocked me unconscious. I came to, it's like 2, 3 in the morning. Nobody's around. It's just me. There's a huge generator beside of me. I try to move. I can't. can't move my fingers. can't move my toes. And, man, all I can do, I remember Rick Warren's book, and one of the great quotes in there says, you'll never know God is all you need until God's all you got. So you're talking about crying out to God. Man, it's like I got a sister home paralyzed. You know, my mom's taking care of her. I cannot go home like this. I cannot be, cannot go home paralyzed. I can't. I said, I'd rather, you know, take me or heal me. I'd rather you heal me because I really don't want to die like this. <laughs> I mean, I'd rather, I'd rather die in combat and with some honor than to die, you know, in a hole. And um, I went unconscious. And I don't know how long I was out, but when I came to, um, first thing I did, move my fingers and my toes, you know, praising Jesus, thanking him. And, uh, but, I don't remember. I, this, it's all days. I went out again, and uh, when I came to, I was rolling out of the top of this hole, 10 foot deep, you know, and I couldn't move. There was nobody there to help me. And guys, to this day, I give God the glory for it because I couldn't do it myself, and there was nobody there to help me. When I rolled out, I looked over, and I saw, uh, well, heard a door, and it was a, happened to be a medic. When I hollered for help, he come over. They packaged me up, took me to the nearest animal hospital they could find <laughs> basically what it was but uh i didn't have any broken bones uh i had some nerve damage in my neck and my back i had six staples put into my head and uh another embarrassing moment in my life right two weeks prior to that um i had an incident with my squad leader he had put out a direct order to me and my guys and i was when i was a team leader and uh, i disobeyed it and uh just because I didn't feel like it was right. What he told us, to, you know, what happened was it's cold there, and, and the first thing in the mornings we went on missions, we would have these things called ninja suits. They were the under, these thermal underwear we put on. He told us not to put it on. Uh, he said it would jeopardize us. But he was sitting in the front seat in the heat, and we were in the back freezing to death. So I told my guys to put it on. When we got there and secured a location, we'd get Bravo team to pull security and we'd take it off. Well, during that, in, during that time of changing, he came in and saw what was going on and then he when we got back 
he put all he messed all our gear back on and went out to 100 degree 130 degree weather and smoked us until you know um, <coughs> we were dog tired and uh i was reading my bible and i was praying saying god you know humble me please humble me i don't i don't want to do anything to get anybody killed so two weeks later i was humbled um i, I tell you that because you know humble yourself <laughs> don't ask god to do it because he definitely will and uh be no doubt um but uh but in that you know as, as years have gone by i've told that story many times and you know i'm Still have some issues with my back and my neck and, and head at times. My wife will tell you um, about that one. But um, I look back on it now, though, and uh, if I had made it to the Rangers, you know, I may have, well, who knows, I may have been killed. But because I went to 82nd and I fell in that hole, and because I was bald, I shaved my head every two days. And that scar and that indention is always there. And it's always a reminder to me of what God did for me I cried out to him and he saved my life and gave me a second chance and um, talk about the spiritual warfare aspect of that is that in life what Satan intends to cause you harm he comes to steal and kill and destroy right what the Bible says he does he's like a roaring lion seeing he can devour and I was one that he was devouring you know self esteem wise was at the bottom you know I mean guys when I was hurt, the guys there, they were still going out on missions, and they were like, you know, you're, you're worthless to us, you know. Well, what can you do for us, and why are you still here? Why don't you go home, you know. But I, I worked my butt off for 30 days, and I went back on the front lines of those guys after 30 days, hurt or not, you know, because I did not. I just couldn't, I couldn't take it, and I couldn't leave and go home like that anyway. So, um, but, so Satan does that, you know, and, and beats you down. But what God does in return, though, if you, if, you, if you listen, you have to spend time in the Word. If you're not in the Word, and you don't have those night vision goggles on, you don't have the Holy Spirit in you, you're not going to hear what God's saying to you in that spiritual warfare. You're, all you're going to hear is one side. And that one side is going to give you all the negative. It's going to beat you down. It's going to put you at your lowest place in life. And in that aspect, you're going to do whatever makes you feel good in that moment, whether it's sex, whether it's drugs, whether it's alcohol, whether it's food, because the center of sin is I, right? And it makes you, it makes you selfish. It makes you greedy to satisfy that flesh. But only with the Holy Spirit does that change. And God says it's not about you anymore. It's about Christ. You change your perspective. You change the way you think. Proverbs says, um, it's in the New King James Version. It's not, it may be not written in your Bible this way, but it says that as a man thinketh, so is he. You've got to be careful what you think about. You know, if, if you're thinking negative thoughts, if you're thinking angry thoughts, if you're thinking lustful thoughts, what do you think is going to happen? The flesh is going to go with it, right? So we have to be in the Word. We have to be in it daily because it's food. Jesus says, this is my body, eat of it. He says, Jesus is the Word. We have to be in it eating of it because, you know, if you only eat once a, once a week on Sundays, you're going to starve to death by the time Sunday comes back around, right? You eat daily. You eat three times a day a lot of times, if not more or, or less, but at least once a day. 
And it, this is what helps me, is being in every morning. And I read something the other day, it said, when you're not in the Word, one day, God notices. In two days, you notice. In three days, everyone notices. And that's been so true in my life. And uh, especially, even here recently, um, you know, I called Thomas the other day, and I said, look, I don't know if I should preach or not on Sunday. Um, I had an incident that uh, at work with a supervisor, uh, something that I was angry about. Um, that's not important about what it is, but anyway, I let my temper get the best of me. And when I saw her, we had words, and I raised my voice, and I said things that I shouldn't have said. And I got so angry that I hit the desk. That's why I haven't shaken hands today, because I don't know if my finger's broken or what, because I've hurt my hand in every aspect. But I let my anger get the best of me. And then, you know, now I'm, I'm on suspension from work. So Satan attacked me hard, that spiritual warfare, because he knew I was going to speak today. You know, and, and the flesh and the spirit, was, yeah, the flesh tells you, the devil says, hey, you're not worthy. You don't need to be up there. You know, you, you let your anger go. You don't, that's not spiritual. That's not Christian. You know what? But then God said, <laughs> you know, that's what I came for. I came for everybody who was, who was sick and needed a doctor. I didn't come for those who, are, who think they're well, right? So that's why we come here. That's why we, that's why we come to church. That's why we join small groups. That's why, you know, we seek God and we all suffer. We all suffer from the spiritual warfare. And... The mind, talks about the helmet of salvation, the mind is where it all starts. And if we're not in the Word, if we're not in small groups, if we don't have Christian brothers and sisters to talk to, then our mind is going to go with the flesh. Think of it as being on a, on a river. A river flows one way. It don't flow two ways, it flows one way. And you're on a raft, you're going to go wherever that river takes you. Well, in this Christian life, you know, we're in a kayak, and we're paddling upstream every day. Is not it, you just don't come in and accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and get baptized and woo, I'm done, I'm good. That's not how it works. It is it is a battle every day. Um, and um, so today, I just wanted to come and, and, and share a little bit of my story with you on that aspect and, and how you know um, I know that you're all struggling with that. And this is the, this is the place to come. Small groups are the place to be. I know the men's group, we share a lot. And that's what a problem I had growing up. Because my father left. There wasn't any other men in the neighborhood who, or even in church, who came in and mentioned and said about their flaws and failures and what they did to, to get over it. Everybody acted to put on this, this facade. Everything's okay. We're good. That Jesus said they were whitewashed tombs, right? But inside they were dead bones. You have to, that's why Jesus says confess. We have to talk to each other. We have to confess our sins to God so that we can be healed. As a paramedic in the county, if you don't call me when your ankle's broken, I can't help you. You know, if you have a heart attack and you have a chest pain, if you don't call me, I can't help you. And that's what God says every day. Hey, you got to come to me. You got to talk to me. You can't never, you, you can never be righteous enough. There's nothing you can do that's going to be good enough because Satan's always going to tell you you're never good enough. But God says it isn't, it's not about you. It's not about what you can do. It's what's already been done. That's why Jesus Christ came, right? He came 
in our place. We sinned, and, if, and when we sin, there's punishment, there's death. Christ came and said, I don't want you to, to suffer for your sin. I'm coming and dying in your place. All you have to do is accept that. And um, anyway, um, that leads into the time of communion when he was talking about Christ. And there's a story I heard a long time ago, but it's very prevalent or for today, it has a lot of meaning to it. Um, there's a story about a, a worldwide pandemic, and <clears throat> there was no cure. There was no vaccine. There was nothing. And people were dying by the millions, right? And they found this one blood type that they said could p potentially, you know, help. And his, his, his family went and they found out that the son, four-year-old son, had the blood type and it was a cure. It was a cure-all. And everybody was so excited. And the doctors told the father, they said, you know, we need, we need his blood. And the father said, sure. Great, we found it. He said, how much? And they said, all of it. You know, all of it. And that's what God did for us. He gave us all of his blood. He gave us his life for the forgiveness of our sins, for the cure of death, and for eternal life. And uh, I want to take this time, you know, and, uh, and pray for communion and uh, just thank Thomas for the, for the opportunity to come and speak. All right. Almighty God, Lord, thank you so much for this day, for this time, for this church, for the, for the body that's here, Lord. Uh, you've had a great impact on my life I thank you for their encouragement I thank you for the times that I have been in need that I have been under spiritual attack Lord where I've had uh, the brothers and sisters here who've reached out and who've always been there um, thank you for them thank you for most of all for your son Jesus and for for your Holy Spirit uh, for what you've given me Lord and the encouragement that you give me and most of all for the faith I have in you um, for eternal life Lord and the forgiveness and the, the grace that you give uh, Lord just now I ask you to bless this cup uh, and this juice, Lord, and um, all, the, all those who partake it, let them think on uh, the sin in their life, Father, uh, the times that I have been. It's just center of sin is I, Lord, where the flesh has, has overtaken them this past week or any time in their life, Lord. Let them confess that to you just now and let them know that through your blood and your sacrifice uh, and through this cup, Lord, that you are, they're forgiven. And uh, I pray all this, Father, in your Son, Christ's name. Amen. <laughs>